Welcome to Keep 100 Radio. I'm your host, Lissy Pointer, type 1 diabetic, certified health coach, personal trainer, and founder of Needles and Spoons Health and Wellness. Inside this podcast, you'll find the real and raw conversations around diabetes management, including lessons we don't learn in our endos office, my best tips and trainings, and conversations from experts that I trust inside the community so you can create more predictability in your diabetes management and feel empowered while doing so. Let's dive in. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Keep 100 Radio. On today's episode, I have my dad on as a guest. And before we get into the episode, I just want to preface with the fact that my dad is a, he talks with his hands a lot. So I know that you're listening to a podcast, you can't like see what he's doing, but you may hear a few times like a noise in the background. And I just want to preface with that, like it's my dad like tapping my desk. So the mic did pick up on it a little bit. I was hoping that it wouldn't, but just in case you hear anything, I wanted to preface with that's what it is. So let's get going into this episode. But before we get into that, I do really want to highlight the sponsor behind this podcast. So if you've been listening since day one, then you know that this this whole platform was created in collaboration with Stingrip. And I will be very transparent here. I do, I am their content director, so I work very, very closely with the with the CEO and with the team. Um, but I like everything that I say about them is truly authentic. And the only reason why I work with them is because I have believed so heavily in not only their product, but their mission since day one. Since literally they reached out to me almost like what two and a half years ago offering a free patch and I fell in love with them ever since but I do really want to highlight that the work that they are doing especially at being diabetes awareness month truly blows me away so Isaac the founder will come to me with ideas and it's my job to put the content in front of in front of their audience but truly the ideas that come from Isaac and the team and what they want to do for this community is mind-blowing. So the time that I'm recording this right now, it's November 9th, and in two days, they are going to have their all-for-one day, which is the 11th of every single month. They take the proceeds from their website and they they donate them to either a certain nonprofit, organization, person, um, just somewhere in the diabetes space that truly needs it and deserves it and is doing good things for the community and recently there were some artists in the diabetes space who were not treated well they had their some of them had their artwork stolen or copied and just overall were not treated well by other companies and what they're doing in two days is that they they are taking the they're taking the proceeds from their website and they're donating them to these four artists and I just cannot name another brand that I stand by more than Stingrip. If you don't follow them already, I definitely highly recommend it, not only because I create the content, but truly because everything that they are doing for the community is mind-blowing. And I will say that there is a lot coming up towards the end of the month that we're hoping to announce at the end of the month, but that I really think will will blow you away. So shout out to Stingrip. They are absolutely incredible and I'm so excited and honored that they are the sponsor behind this podcast. If you want to give them a try, you can go ahead to stingrip.com and you can use my code Lissie, L-I-S-S-I-E at checkout and you can save 10%. I do not think that you will be disappointed. (laughs) 
Alright, welcome back to Keep 100 Radio. Today I'm here with my dad, Mark Pointer, the one and only. Um, and we're going to basically talk about the diagnosis, it, diagnosis experience back seven years ago now when I was first diagnosed in college. Um, dad, do you mind introducing yourself? Sure. My name is Mark Pointer. I'm Lissy's dad. And I've been her dad all my life. <laughs> my dad is typical, corny dad style so keep that in mind as we're going through this uh this episode all right so i've mentioned this in a few episodes but i was diagnosed actually let me test you real quick how many how long has it been since i was diagnosed with type one seven and a half years do you remember the date uh i remember being i think in february mm-hmm. yeah and right around valentine's day it could have been yeah february 17th february 17th yeah, yeah. i remember that do you remember the first time that I, I called you guys saying that something was... Yeah, you called the week before and you were drinking a lot of water. Yeah. And you were just gotten over the... You were getting over the flu, but something was wrong. And I think mom and I said to, you know, to make sure you get checked up or go to the doctor or something. I don't know how you wind up going to the doctor, but you, know, you did wind up going to either emergency or whatever. But we were worried. Were you worried at first, or did you just think it was like the flu? I thought it was probably just from the flu, and then it might have been just something from the flu that you were still trying to get over. I had no idea that it was going to be that that what was happening was happening, and that you were, you had contracted diabetes, and this was starting to affect your body. Yeah, I remember specifically. I called one night because. I'd been t- kind of telling you guys that like I was thirsty more and I was, I was like peeing more and we're kind of like well that can be from like recovering from the flu we kind of passed it off and then one day I woke up and I, I was like looking at Sabrina and I couldn't really see her from across like Sabrina is my roommate uh, for anybody listening and I couldn't really see her and that got me really nervous so I remember that night calling you guys because I, I was googling and everything was popping up as type 1 diabetes. And initially, you guys were kind of hesitant of like, because it doesn't run in our family. It doesn't, there's no indication that it could be that other than the symptoms. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of vaguely remember that. We, like I said, we didn't think, because no one had diabetes in the family, we had no clue that it was going to be diabetes. Yeah. No. But then, we, were, we were extremely worried. So that, that's, I remember the next morning, I went to the physician i went to the on-campus doctor's office because i called them that night and they were like come in without an appointment like make sure you're here first thing in the morning and that was kind of like for me it was a little scary i don't know about for you guys because at this point for anybody listening too i was at penn state university my dad and my mom were in new jersey so this is a good four-hour drive so even if you guys wanted to be there it was kind of it was a far drive. It was like short notice, so it would have been difficult to be like hands on in that diagnosis experience. So, what was your thought process like that morning after? I remember sending you a text saying, "Like my blood sugar is was it like four thirty something." Yeah, we were we were really worried at that point. We, you know, at that point, I said high sugar levels like that. I, I, I being after working in pharmacy for so many years, you know that it could be diabetes at that point. We were, I, I we were calm because we knew that you were in good hands mm-hmm. at Penn State. Right. So we knew that whatever was 
whatever the outcome was, we knew you were in good hands. We were ready to go up there, mm-hmm. but we wanted to wait and see what was going on first at right. that point. Uh, so we were confident that there were going to, there were going to be answers, mm-hmm. but we were extremely worried. Did it ever worry you the, like the process of being on insulin or like the actual hands-on experience of taking care of it while at college? Like, did that worry you? Yeah, everything worried us uh, deeply uh, because, uh, we knew, we knew that it was starting to affect your schoolwork, mm-hmm. and um, we were worried that you weren't going to get through your this semester. Yeah. And, you know, I think it was your second semester? Yeah, it was my second semester. <laughs> we were worried that you weren't going to get through it. Yeah, we were, I remember my, my doctor said, like, this would be a good time to withdraw for the semester and take yeah. a, a leave of absence, yeah. and uh, I don't think I ever really considered it. Yeah, we were very proud that you didn't, and uh, we we knew that you, we knew that whatever was going to happen, and we knew when that diagnosis came back, we knew that you were going to attack it. So, from that aspect, we were very comfortable with knowing that, uh, I already knew that you can live with diabetes, mm-hmm. you know, that, that people live with diabetes, so you just have to learn how to do it, and things like that. I was scared, and I was... Um, I was a little, not angry, I won't say angry, I wanted to take your place, okay, I'll put it to you that way. I didn't want you to have to go through it, you know, uh, mom and I both would have rather gone through it than you, and that's kind of like the way we felt. I remember mom beating herself up a bit, she kind of had that instinct of, well, I'm the parent, technically I did this, or, you know, those thoughts of... Well, it's, you know, you know how maternal mom is. (laughs) Um, you know, it was, it was hard to talk her down off the ledge, you know, um, but we, we both had very, a lot of confidence in you, um, and we were, we were both ready to go up there right away, but we knew that you had to be in the doctor's hands and, and you had to learn about what you had to do to, uh, minimize your sugar levels to start, start the process of, of, uh, insulin and that type of stuff. So we knew that you were going to be okay with it. I think part of that is because of the times that, you had gone to um, Costa Rica and you're by yourself. We knew that you could take care of yourself. Yeah, I think it was an interesting time of being diagnosed though because it was kind of that transitional period of being on my own for less than a year. You know, quote unquote Mm -hmm. on my own. I was still, you know, at Penn State under supervision, but in a different way. Like I wasn't at home. I was in, like you guys weren't taking me to my doctor's appointments anymore. I was figuring out insurance on my own. like. It was a weird gray area of being like, okay, this is something I have to take on on my own, but like, how do I do that? (laughs) Because I'm like, I'm just starting to take on life on my own. How am I supposed to handle this too? But, you know, and and you guys, I remember, I remember a few weeks later, you coming up and surprising me, uh, just showing up in my my dorm room. That was awesome. But you had done something that year for Lent in kind of... Yes, yes. Do you mind talking about that a little bit? Yeah, I, I really wanted to walk your journey and what you were going through. So what I decided to do, well, I, you you and Mom were always on me about how much soda I drank and how much candy I ate and uh, uh, that type of stuff. So I gave up soda and candy for Lent. for 40, I said, let me do this for 40 days. And for anyone listening, like this is this was huge because this was, you know, without blowing your cover, Dad. Like this was something that we did nag on you about a lot about yes. the the soda con- consumption, 
Um, I don't remember candy being too far into it, but it was more so soda. And we would make those jokes about like, uh, you know, the stigma of diabetes and everything, and then kind of it's like, oh, I'm the diabetic now. <laughs> but it, so that that kind of um, that action of you just cutting a cold turkey was was huge. We I didn't think that you'd do it, but now it's been. It has been. <laughs> it was March fifth. Uh, 2014, I think it was. Yeah, 2014. 2014 at around 4 p.m. I remember <laughs> because that was the last soda I drank, and yeah. I decided I wrote you a note, and I, I sent you. I don't know if I emailed it to you or. Uh, yeah, you emailed. And, it. Yeah, I emailed you that what I was going to do for Lent for the 40 days of mm -hmm. Lent, and after that 40 days was up, I said, "Well, look, I've done it this far. Um, let me continue to do it." and it got to the point where I would not do it and I, because of you. Mm -hmm. And I told everybody, because of my daughter and what she has gone through and, and walking her journey, I'm not going to drink soda. I'm mm -hmm. not going to eat candy. And um, to this day, I have not done that. Yeah. You know, so, uh, and, and the tables kind of turned for a bit because I, you know, as I was going through this journey, I learned, okay, I can eat the sweets. It's just about how I do it and how I manage my, my mm -hmm. insulin with it. And it would get to the point where I would eat the birthday cake, and you <laughs> still wouldn't. I was like, "You can eat it." <laughs> yeah, and and yeah, you know, I, I, occasionally now I will have some birthday mm -hmm. cake, but right. uh, I specifically would not do it because of I wanted to show you this was this was my pact that mm -hmm. I wasn't going to do it, and this was this is what I was going to do for you, yeah. and. Um, I, I was not going to break that vow that I had within myself to do that. Um, and that became, over time, more and more important to me Yeah. over the course of time. Yeah, so. and, you, and you, that to me like meant so much because you guys couldn't be there and kind of like walk through the process with me of, you know, that there was a certain level of like I had to do it on my own. And that kind of um, initiative of you taking that and doing that for me like that was huge and it showed me that you were taking care of yourself in the process because that, you know, you know, that could be the whole sort of um, consumption. But I know, okay, if you're a parent listening, maybe you're wondering about the, because at that point I'm 19, I'm still on your insurance. How, what did that process look like of like the actual logistics of, because now this is totally something totally new. I have to be on new medication. I have new devices. I have new doctor's appointments. Like, did anything, do you remember anything standing out from that he, perspective? Yeah, I think the, the thing that stood out to me most is the fact that we had to, we had to be patient in what you wanted mm -hmm. to do. We couldn't, you know, you had to learn what to do with it. You had to learn what devices to use with it, how you were going to inject yourself, how you were going to measure your sugar levels. There's all kinds of different technology coming out and, we wanted to let you decide and learn what to do with that. And mm -hmm. we we grew patient with that and didn't want to interfere with that too much. Uh, yeah. yeah, you never pushed me for a pump or anything like that. No, no. I, we wanted this, to, I, you know, both mom and I wanted this to be specifically about you mm -hmm. rather than anything else, rather than uh, bemoaning the point of, oh, my daughter's got diabetes now or, or, or saying that, uh, oh my God, uh, uh, why did you do this? And that mm -hmm. type of stuff. Um, right. um, it turned out to be you know, a, a lifesaver in two different areas when you look at it, in your yeah. area and our area, uh, for you too as well. Right. So. Was there any 
so as far as the financial component, did that ever <coughs> did that ever worry you about? Well, now because when we look at the like the cost of insulin, luckily we had, we had insurance, but you know historically the cost of insulin is very high. The cost of technology is very high. Me being out of state could have added an impact on it, but. Do you remember like ever being concerned about that? Yeah, well, there's a couple different things. Number one, I knew that mom had an excellent uh, mm -hmm. medical plan. So, um, you know, just in your research of finding out what they covered and mom's research and doing that, we were we were good. Mm -hmm. um, I became a little bit more knowledgeable uh, just in trying to help people that were approaching me. And, you know, mm -hmm. I, I worked in a drugstore at this time. Right. So I became very more aware of our diabetic session in the yeah. drugstore, of uh, the different kinds of things that we sold and how to help people. I even, there were times when in the drugstore, I, I had to break a few rules just to help someone because they needed either, um, uh, they needed not so much uh, uh, the- uh, The lancing. The, the lancets yeah. and, and, and the, um, um, not the not the insulin because that was a form of super item I couldn't mm -hmm. go back to. But you know there were times yeah. when we had those things locked up mm -hmm. in the front, and I had to do some things to you know to get someone some help, and sometimes I paid for it myself to to help them. And uh, you know, um, so those are the type of things you become aware of that other people go through. And, you, and we became more aware that more and more people. Mm -hmm. had diabetes and we ever knew yeah yeah it started kind of like it, other people start opening up about their experience or you just start becoming it's almost like when you want a car you start seeing that car everywhere right. it's like i was diagnosed with diabetes <laughs> and then all of a sudden like our neighbor like was diagnosed mm -hmm. people around in college were diagnosed i was meeting more people that were diagnosed but probably felt like more people were showing up at the the drugstore that were looking for these kind of uh resources like so it did, I feel, yeah, I agree, it popped up more so. You become, you're right, you become more aware of it and you look for it. Right, yeah. Too as well, because yeah. you look to help people, you know. So how is that when, you know, you guys knew that I was diagnosed and how was that conversation with other people? <coughs> so obviously, the, you know, it came out, you, you need support from the church or your friends or I posted it on Facebook and obviously that started the conversation, but like, did you ever feel any judgment? Were you like, I mean, just because of the stigma around diabetes? No, no, we never felt that at all. Um, we felt nothing from support from our friends and our church and uh, people that we knew, or if it came up in conversation, just, oh yeah, my daughter's type one diabetic. Um, a lot of the conversations that came up were, uh, what type of diabetic are you? Are you type mm -hmm. one or type two? Right. So those were a lot of questions that, you know, just when the word diabetes came up, I would say, well, you're type 1 or you're type 2. So I never knew the difference between yeah. type 1 and type 2 before uh, before this. Do you think the the answer that you gave of whether it's type 1 or type 2, do you think that changed the uh, person's perception of what was... Because I've noticed that when people ask, are you type 1 or type 2, when I say type 1, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. When, if it was type 2, people kind of feel like you have more ownership of it or it's something that you do to yourself, so they feel less kind of empathetic. Well, it's funny, it's funny you ask that because um, I, I think it's the opposite of way around. When, really? when, yeah, well... Um, I, I told people, well, look, type one, there was everything, everything is okay with that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes 
type one is you can control it better than if you're on type two because right. even though your sugar levels and stuff bounce way up and down, way up and down, you you can control it better. Whereas type two is a little bit more. Sometimes I think it's a little more difficult. Yeah, I, I actually agree with that because we have insulin as a tool. We can <coughs> kind of get more finer mm -hmm. in our management, whereas type two are not always insulin dependent, right. so they're leaning more towards diet, exercise, lifestyle. Right. Um, so yeah, I actually didn't even really think yeah. about that. Yeah. But it became a very common question. They are okay. You type one or type two, mm -hmm. and that helped. Uh, that helped bring the conversation into play and what we're going to discuss, mm -hmm. whether it be about you or about you know their their uh, individual that they knew or their, their child or whatever. It became a commonality. Right. You know. Right. Uh, so. Um, yeah, so, you know, I learned a lot from that. Yeah. All right, so, you know, just ahead a few years. When I was 21, 22, I moved to Florida. How was that experience as a parent? Knowing that I was going to be living alone, I didn't really know anyone in Florida, and we were a thousand miles away from each other. For mom, it was hell. <laughs> <laughs> For me... No, because I knew that you could take care of yourself. But there was one instance, I remember New Year's Eve, okay. where I was out with some friends, some mm -hmm. friends came to visit, and that night you had followed me on my Dotscom, and you yep. were getting alerts all night that I was yep. low, and I wasn't picking up my phone. Right, yes, I was, yeah, that, that's, that's very interesting because technology helps out so much, but... Right. Technology can sometimes lie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, no, it didn't lie. It didn't lie, but it, yeah. it, you knew exactly what's going on. I just couldn't get in touch with you. Yeah. You know, you so you you were every, at that point. I was panicking. Okay. Right. Is she lying on the ground somewhere? Right. In a coma. That's yeah. what came into my mind, and we. I was a little frantic about that. Right. You know. Um, yeah, as I was answering, but it, that was almost a good learning experience, I think, for us because we had used the depth Tom share app as like a way of saying okay if anything happens this lets us know but i don't think until that day we actually made a plan of like what to do so right. that that the next day we actually made a plan yeah right yeah um, <coughs> we got we got you know i mean i think i think we got numbers of your friends or whatever that we were going to call yeah. right away and uh your apartment complex where, where something was going to where, where if this was going to happen again mm -hmm. we were going to get answers a lot quicker yeah you know? i think i gave you the number for my apartment complex. Yeah. We had a security guard there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was a that was a concerning night. But as far as overall, you know, I knew that you were okay. Mm -hmm. But and I also knew, you know, I, I watched you over the course of time, uh, understanding the disease better, uh, learning about how to handle it and how to give other people advice on how to handle it, and becoming an expert in mm -hmm. the disease too as well. You you became, you know, just through your life. You've become an expert in what you're doing, and now you're helping other people. And I could be more proud of that. Um, you know, this was somewhat of a blessing right. that it happened to you because it's turned out where it's helped many other people. Mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like I know my body ten times better than I ever have, and I just understand my health. And you know, yeah, can kind of. Yeah, I I completely concur <laughs> with that. I mean, uh, you know, you're a maniac. <laughs> a maniac. Well, okay, so fast forward again, another few years. So I moved home from Miami mm -hmm. at that point, and about, yeah, a year and a half later, I had left my corporate job to pursue the health coaching. Yes. And that was a big conversation 
especially between you and I, because of your entrepreneurial background, just, you know, how did that feel of knowing that I was leaving something steady with a disease like type one, where things are more expensive, I'd lose health insurance. Yeah. Can you just speak to that a little bit? I, well, of course I was worried because I liked you having a, a job that you were making good money on, but you were going nowhere with mm. and you were unhappy with. Um, and I also knew what the health coaching did for you as far as your happiness. Mm -hmm. So I, I think I remember telling you, just do what you love to do. Um, mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and I know we sometimes talk about the fact that, oh, you graduated en energy engineering and you're not doing that right yeah. now. But, you know, I, I think you still are because now you're managing people's energy. You're right. helping them with with their energy levels and things like that. So, yes, you are an energy engineer. It's just a different facet of it. Could gone without failing fluid dynamics three times, <laughs> <laughs> saved a lot of money, but... No, but that's okay. That's, that's life. Um, I knew then that... I, I knew then that um, this was what you wanted to do, and um, you had to you had to let go mm -hmm. of, of, of the steadiness, of the unhappiness that you had with, uh, with the company you were with. I won't mention who they were. Mm -hmm. um, um, and they're a good company. Don't get me wrong, they're, yeah, great. Yeah. they're a great company. They really mm -hmm. took good care of you. Um, <clears throat> but it wasn't the job that you wanted to do. Right. It wasn't who you wanted to be. Right. This wasn't who Lissy Pointer was. And I knew that Lissy Pointer had to do, had to take this big step. Mm -hmm. So I yeah. you know, supported you in whatever way I could do that. Yeah. And it was, it was nerve-wracking over the course of time, especially when COVID came. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was a whole other yeah. layer of it. Which, I mean, we could get into a conversation about, but we're already at 20 minutes, so I want to make sure that we're, um, you know, being useful with our time. But, yeah, I, I always kind of think about if if I never become type 1 diabetic and I never found that passion, where would I be now? Like, would I still be in that office, hating my job? Well, or that's a great question. No, I don't think you would be. I think you would have found out still what you're doing right now. Uh, I, you know, yeah, in, yeah. in some facet, you would have found out some sort of um, coaching in a health way of, of yeah. what you wanted to to do. Now, so I don't, I don't think that it would be any different. I think you still would have wound up where you are right now. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's kind of funny with your. So, for anybody listening again who doesn't really know a lot of the background, so you you worked in retail for how many years? A lot. Oh, close to thirty years. Thirty years, and now what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm a minister of a church in uh, in Whiting, New Jersey. Right. Um, yes, I've always wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and uh, I think you and I went through the same steps, kind of like at the same time. Right. 2015, I decided to go part-time to earn my master's degree mm -hmm. in divinity, and uh, which is right around the time that you became diabetic. Yeah. So I think you and I are kind of taking the same path. Right. According to do the things that we love to do and, and helping people right. somehow. And, uh, uh, you know, I had, uh, I really feel I've lost my identity with retail. Mm -hmm. And uh, now that I'm doing what I'm doing now, I think I have my identity. Yeah. And, and, doing, and I remember over the course of time, you guys kept saying, Dad, you seem happy. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. it isn't, boy, Dad's a lot happier now. Dad's a lot, you know. So, um. You know, if, if I could say anything in this podcast, it's just do what you love to do. Yeah. Um, no matter what. I mean, I'm not making anywhere near the amount of money I used to make. 
you know, it's, we're, it's worth but it mom to... and I are still doing okay. Mm -hmm. We're, 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 you know, we've, you know, we've, we've adjusted to our expenses that we've had to adjust mm -hmm. to. We've done the things we need to do so that we can still maintain a, a quality life and we can help other people. So if you're somebody who needs parental advice, that's parental advice that you're getting today. <laughs> no, but seriously, like I was trying to say, like it doesn't matter, like regardless of the decision that you make at the time, I think no matter what life brings you to that outcome, right? So even if I didn't choose to leave my job at the time that I did, at some point life would have taken me to the career path that I have now or the outcome, you know. The yeah, I think I it would have. I think it would have been either in health or in maybe an exercise or right. something along those lines mm -hmm. where you're, you're helping someone with their with their body maintenance. Yeah, and, with, and same for you. If, you know, even though the timing didn't line up in the past three, 30 years, you still found your path to, to ministry. So. Yeah, and uh, I, that path has always been there. Right. You know, so. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I remember the day in 1998 when I really felt like I wanted to go into ministry and it just didn't happen at that point. Mm -hmm. And I remember the day in 2015 when I was called again and, and I said, okay, I'm going to do this. And, yeah. uh, and I was unhappy then. Uh, I wasn't who I am today. Uh, uh, you know, my relationship with God is, has improved and, and, and become so much closer over the period of these five years, just in what I've learned, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so, um, and I'm sure in your field of work on what you do, the same thing has happened for you. Yeah. You've become uh, much closer to your relationship with what you have to do to help others, you know, right. and you've learned it and, you, and you're excelling in it. Yeah, you can either take that situation and you can say, what you say, what am I going to make of it? Am I going to make the best of it? Or will I let it consume me? And I think for a while, maybe, I think we both had kind of situations where it could have gone that route, or maybe it did for a little bit. And then you have to kind of choose when to when to make the most of it. Yeah, and I think most people are kind of in that route at some time or another. Mm -hmm. and, and you and I were in that route. But we knew we were going to break out of it sooner mm -hmm. or later. So yeah. um, never, ever, as my dad always told me, never, ever, ever, ever give up hope. Never give up hope. So. so if you could say, you know, let's just say there's a parent who has a child that was just diagnosed or like whoever's listening, what would you say to somebody who is in the shoes that you were in when I was 19? What advice would you give them? I would to? give the advice to continue to love them uh, and support them and learn what they're going through. Um, and become immersed in helping them uh, get over the hump of what they have to do to to manage this disease and um, and learn about it. Learn about it. You know, I don't know everything about diabetes, you know, but I do know that there's hope. I do know that there's technology that keeps improving. Uh, you keep telling me about the times on that. Um, so I, I, again, I, I would probably tell a parent the same thing: continue to love your child. Don't give up hope. It can be managed, you know, it's, and they can have a normal lifestyle with type 1 diabetes. Yeah. You know, so it, it just continue to love them. I think the biggest thing that you did for me was you advocated, like, both in your own actions and then, you know, not only for me, but like you were talking about in, in the drugstore with, you know, you reorganized the diabetic supplies, you helped other, other people, like, you advocated for what you knew was affecting me and that I think in itself 
meant a lot. So I think if I could add anything in there, it'd be yes, of course, learn and and understand as much as you can, but also like advocate in whatever way that means for you. Yeah, exactly. And you don't know how many times that you were on my mind and what I was doing, you know, where when I was fixing up a diabetes section or learning about it or making sure that making sure that I had the supplies on hand and my order quantities were right and my inventory level it wasn't the diabetes section that was telling me that. That was you that was telling me that. So, you know, you don't know how many times you were on my mind when I was doing those type of things. I think that's where conversations like this come into play too, because I wouldn't have known that. Yeah. So, yeah, telling telling your child that, telling your loved one that, um, definitely, definitely important. Is there anything else that you would add? I'm just, you know, I, I, I pray for you and I continue to pray for you and I pray for all those with uh, with type 1 or type 2 diabetes that sooner or later that um, our technology can grow enough where there can be a um, uh, a cure for it you know and, and that we don't have to go through that again anymore well mm -hmm. and uh, always advocate that we can do that yeah. so. thank you for coming on and having this conversation I had a great time yes. thank you very much <laughs> And goodbye, everybody. Oh, jeez, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Knew it was coming. <laughs>